Live from the 607 is the ODPH Entertainment Edition, where we're talking movies, comics, TV, and more. Why don't you join in the conversation? Hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Coming back for another edition of the ODPH podcast. I am your host, Kenem. Joining me this week, as always, it's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of entertainment, so let's waste no more time, shall we? Hit us up on that social media hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Join in the conversation because, hey, we want to interact with you. Now, the biggest story in entertainment has to be the final season of Jessica Jones on Netflix. Mm-hmm. The end of the Marvel MCU for the Netflix streaming service, mm-hmm. but definitely not the end of the characters. No. We have binge-watched the show. We are going to be talking spoilers. You have been warned. So in three, two, one, Pad, what did you think? I thought the season was great. It was, you know, better than season two. It was very good. Not as good as season one, but it was very good. Uh, And I will say that the villain in this season, we'll get to him more in in a little bit, made my skin crawl a lot of the time. They definitely took some risks on this season. And I definitely think it was a step up, like a giant leap up from season two. Season two of Jessica Jones, I thought, missed its mark for the most part, but it was good, but not great. And not the benchmark the season one set. Because no. season one with Kilgrave and, I mean, just the story material they were working with, it was just, and, and the acting was just spot yeah. on. Yeah. They obviously coming back for season two and Jessica Jones's history in the MCU is a little interesting for comic books. So mm-hmm. to see the rogues gallery and obviously the direction they took with season two, uh, like I said, kind of, it was good, but not great. So obviously coming into season three and the expectation of this is the end of the MCU on Netflix, mm-hmm. the bar was set pretty high. Yeah. But they absolutely nailed it out of the park, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. This I, I kind of relate to when you talk about Daredevil season one. Yes. And then Daredevil with Bullseye season. Mm-hmm. That this is where you go, okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, I agree. Nothing against Daryl season two, which I thought was great, but when you start having those one-on-one characters and you really see the heroes pushed to their limits, mm-hmm. and this is one that we saw Jessica really out of her element, but in yeah. a different way than we saw with Kilgrave, mm-hmm. because as we get into it, Jessica Jones is booming with business now. Yeah, she's like the hottest commodity in New York, right? So her phone is ringing off the hook, and what starts off is just kind of a simple. You know, case obviously spirals into something more. As usually does with comic book stories. Right. And one of the characters they introduced is a man by the name of Eric who has mind powers. Now, I did not realize this at first, but I did some research online. Okay. And he is the villain from Daredevil known as Mindwave. Oh, okay. Who is a very obscure villain. Yeah. I, I kind of would refer to this more as like when you talk about Flash villains. Yeah. And you say like, oh, yeah, the thinker. Like... Wait, who? Yeah, like not a real household name or Savitar. No, no. Something in that variation. So obviously he winds up meeting up with her, and then at this stage, too, there's a lot of changes going on. Trish has now had the, uh, I you can call the super soldier serum wannabe. Yeah, yeah. She's now been injected. She now has her cat-like powers, which is more connected to her character of Hellcat, mm-hmm. which is in the MCU. Yep. You have Malcolm, who is... Longtime Jessica's right hand man is now working for Hogarth, who is mm-hmm. now feeling the effects of her ALS. Yep. And really kind of seeing what's going on there. And when this is all happening, in the background, they're kind of setting up for their major antagonist of the season. Yep. Because when Je- when Trish is now demonstrating her powers and Jess is now involved in kind of getting the stakeouts and they wind up meeting and this has been the first time since Trish killed Jess's mom. Yeah, it's a little awkward. It's very awkward and obviously there's still ramifications from that. Because they haven't hashed things out at all. No, which is typical of the form of Jessica yeah, Jones. Yeah, So, I mean, obviously she is just doing what she usually does and that's hit the bottle of whiskey pretty hard. Well, so yeah, she's hashed things out with herself in her own style and manner, but not with Trish. Right, and obviously they go from doing a... A, I don't want to say it was a botched uh, sting operation, but that's kind of the easiest way about reclaiming yeah. an artifact 
to now Trish is suddenly developing herself as a vigilante. And the one thing I will say that I did not like about this season mm-hmm. is kind of how they did the pacing with Trish. Yeah. And she'd do something in one episode, and then the next episode they'd recap and show you her entire backstory. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if they kind of pasted maybe a little more together so it was more connected, it would have been a little better, but I'm not faulting it. I'm no. not saying this yeah. is a fault at yeah. all. And then, as we see, Jessica does meet up with Eric, who is Mind Wave from the comics. And like I said, it didn't register at first. Like I said, I do some research online, and, and I read on IGN, too, about this as well. So that's what I was like, okay, makes sense. He's a very obscure Daredevil villain. Might have been something else, setting up for something else down the line had the Marvel Netflix shows continued, but alas. Alas, yeah. And then we see that he is now um, trying to work off some debts to some mob bosses, and then this is where Trish now comes back into the fold. And during one of these attempts where Eric is trying to settle his debt, so to speak, that he gets captured. Well, so I put it to put it to you folks this way. Uh, Eric is in this scenario is Han Solo. And then these mob people that he owes money to is Jabba the Hutt. Right. Where Trish does get involved to make the save, but goes a little too far. Yeah. Didn't see that coming. And winds up actually killing the head mob boss lady. Yeah, did, <laughs> didn't see that coming. That was shocking to say the least. Which, it just goes back to the old saying of Ben Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. And also, I would add to that, thinking things through. Right, because Trish is just acting a lot on impulse. Mm-hmm. Jess is trying to sort through her own situation and really kind of just coming into play like, okay, what's going on and dealing with her own emotions, too. Because as she's now digging into Eric's past and trying to figure out what's going on there, she winds up knowing that he is now being connected to a man by the name of Salinger. Mm-hmm. Now, it took me a second, and like I said, we we talked about this last week on the show, that it was going to be the villain known as Fool Killer. Right. So to see what interpretation they were going to do from the comic to here was very interesting because he was not exactly as charismatic and swashbuckle no as you would think and i know he's been reintroduced in uh deadpool okay uh, more or less okay and he's and you it's almost teetering on the the version we saw on the show but a little different sure see this one when i saw salinger on this show i did get the kevin spacey seven vibe yeah a little bit yeah from, if you've ever seen the movie seven with him and brad pitt i did get kind of the vibe of that so that's where i was kind of going okay I see where this is, and this is kind of interesting. And obviously, in how he was being portrayed is just one step ahead of Jess at every moment. I'd say sometimes three steps ahead. Yeah, which I thought was very cool to see because you really see Jess out of her element. Not that she's ever kind of been the one that's always in control, mind you, but just with somebody that's really kind of pushing her emotions and not the same way that Kilgrave was. Like it did, right. This, to me, did not feel just like a rehash no and it was it was awesome to see because there was one point towards the latter half of the season where you know just cuts a deal with salinger to save trish and and you know she called just calls up salinger and goes oh you know i did what you asked me to and salinger goes okay we're good and she hangs up the phone with him and i'm sitting there going you're not actually buying this are you like i realize i can see how many episodes are left but like from a storytelling standpoint there's no way he's telling the truth on this right and i mean like i said Salinger definitely made his presence felt this entire season mm-hmm. and just really set the bar, too. And like I said, Jeremy Bob, who played Gregory Salinger, really stepped above and beyond the call because, yeah. like I said, when you see him in the comics, especially, like I said, more recently he's been in, in uh, Deadpool, and he's also been like a S.H.I.E.L.D. psychiatrist. Mm, okay. Comics, reasons. Yeah. yeah. So that being said, to see him kind of do the serial killer route was very interesting to see happen. And Kristen Ritter was just playing right off it, too. I mean, she definitely did some strong performances this season. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously with Jessica Jones and what she brings to the table, it's never easy to kind of demonstrate on screen. So, I mean, she's obviously doing her work for this series. And then you flip it to what's going on, too, in the background where you have Hogarth who's dealing with her issues Mm -hmm. and inadvertently or or blatantly sets up um, a past love's husband's fall yeah i mean so hogarth is sitting there of course she's been diagnosed with als and and you know she had it at the end of during last season and maybe the under half i can't remember it's been a while since i've seen season two but now it's really starting to like show its symptoms where there's a couple scenes where she has trouble getting up she almost falls over and she's dealing with the possibility of like okay you're not long for this world 
you know, what are they? What are you going to do to be remembered and not just be like, you know, a footnote in history? And she's kind of doing everything she can to be on the right side of history or what she thinks is going to be the right side of history. And, and, and like you said, she ends up like trying to, I almost want to say balance out her checkbook and like fix everything, some stuff in her past that she's maybe not so happy with, but she ends up making more trouble than she st- than was at the start. Yeah. She winds up sending Malcolm to go dig up information on, uh, her lover's husband. I think the woman's name was Kith. Yes. And from there, he winds up in finding about this embellishment about, uh, or embezzlement rather about yep. the, their deceased daughter's uh, fund. Yeah. It, it's one of those scenarios like, okay, at the start, it's like, oh, you're reconnecting with this old friend, this old flame from college. You, like, okay, I get this. I, I, I can understand this. Like you're on, you know, you're, you're not long for this world. You're going to die soon. That makes sense. And then she goes the route of, oh, I'm going to, you know, inadvertently cause financial ruin and ruin your marriage and cause your husband to commit suicide. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously something Hogarth didn't plan. And especially Malcolm did not plan since he's the one that's been right. doing a lot of the groundwork. Right. And you really see him being morally conflicted this mm-hmm. entire season. It, and it's really interesting. It was really interesting to see given last season where he was like, Oh, I almost want to say double crossing Jessica, like every turn and like didn't give two you know what's for Jessica. Well, he was pushed away. Right. No, that's true. But like at the same token, like now you get to this season where like he's willing to do some stuff and willing to go some certain places, but oh he even he's got morals where like, listen, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm out. Yeah, Eka Darville, who plays Malcolm, did a st- amazing job this mm-hmm. season and definitely really showed the moral con- conflict he's having. Cause right. It's almost like he's gone he knows where the line is and he knows he's crossing it. But yeah, he can't stop walking over. I'll say he. It comes to the point where, with Hogarth's uh, law of practice, he's like the only person in that one who has a moral compass left, willing to say no. Because as we go through the season, you know, you have the whole th- thing happening, storyline happening with Salinger to the point where like he's getting arrested and released, arrested and released, and then we find out, oh yeah, surprise, Hogarth is representing him because she's trying to fix her image after the situation with Kith and her husband making, you know, New York headlines, if not national headlines. You know, but she's trying to fix her image. And oh, what's the best way, best way to fix her image? Oh, I'm going to represent Salinger. And, and and Malcolm finds out about this, and he goes, "He's out. He's out there and killed people. Like, are we really okay with representing this?" Yeah, and Hogarth knows that her firm is everything, and yeah. that the fact that she's losing control, she can't handle it. No, I mean that's why they even begin to open up the season where she basically tells Jess, "When it's time to put me down, put me down." Right, and that turns into an absolutely wild scenario. And then as the mystery of Salinger is unfolding, we find out that when Jess was attacked at the end of episode one yeah. and she actually wind up losing her spleen yeah. due to the attack, she winds up finding out that it was Salinger, not looking for her, mind you, but looking for Eric. Right. So now she has now become a target and where his fool killer mentality comes in, if I can say that is that he's just trying to prove people that are fake and not genuine. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, it was almost trying to be like the fair and balanced yeah. vibe that, to a much, much lesser degree than yeah. Thanos was. Yeah. But he's trying to expose those that have cheated and, and been something that they're not. And I mean, this kind of plays into the full killer mentality if you've read the comics. Right. I mean, and he keeps going through this whole thing of like, oh, you, you know, you're always a hero. You're always a hero. You always play the hero. And I'm sitting there watching going, she never wanted to be. She never wanted any of this. It's just it was thrust upon her. And she goes, oh, all right. And he's always been the one that's outside looking in. And as they dig through his history and they start finding the victims and it just i mean how it's set up to like i said it's this brilliant cat and mouse game for about four or five episodes right and and the whole thing with jessica and and salinger going back and forth where like i mentioned you know she she never wanted any of this it's almost comparable to real life where like you might have a friend or a family member that like you're kind of angry at because from your perspective you're seeing them do some things or maybe act a certain way that you're not happy about but when push finally comes to shove and you finally find out why they're doing some things you're like oh there was more to this than just that it's almost like that situation but salinger never gets there no salinger doesn't get there but trish does yes because as this is going on trish is now trying to become involved and jessica realizes that She's really running out of allies to help her, mm-hmm. and she's trying to make good with Trish. Well, I mean, now that I think about it, she gets there, and then she runs away promptly. Yeah. So at this stage, it really gets kind of interesting to see where they go. And since Trish now gets involved in this situation, she now makes her immediate family a target. Mm-hmm. More importantly, her mom. Yeah, didn't see that one coming. No, which didn't, which turned out to be Oof. the biggest shock. I would say if you've ever seen Dexter, this is like when Dexter's wife Rita died. Yeah, no, this this was left field as left field gets. Right, because Salinger winds up killing 
Trish's mom. Uh huh. So all the complex and mentally challenging issues that Trish has now had to deal with her life are now coming tenfold. Yeah. Because now she's had to deal with the loss of her mom, and now what she goes, and obviously she is somebody that is just unhinged at this point. Yeah. Because she's now had the taste of her powers. But the one thing that she never realizes during all this is, and you take a look at season two with Simpson, a.k.a. Nuke, if you read the comics, he never was somebody that could handle the power that was given to him. Right. It drove him crazy. Yeah. And it did in the comics. Like, if you've ever read the stories with Nuke involved. Mm -hmm. So with Trish, you know that the mental stability is just slowly winding away. I think the other thing with Trish is, while, yes, she's had people in her orbit, like Jessica, who are, you know, there and can keep her grounded, when she got her powers, she was never willing to give them the time of day. Like, Jessica's out there lost her spleen and trying to solve things, and all Trish sees, and she's got her horse blinders on, is, I have powers and I can help you. I don't care about anything else. You know, forget anything else. Yeah, and that's all that is driving her. I mean, she keeps saying, I got this, I got this, I got this. Yeah. And, I mean, they do one great episode. I want to say it's like episode 9 or 10 where they show almost the origin of Hellcat. Right, yeah. And, and you see her, uh, Rebecca De Mornay playing Trish's mom, and Rachel Taylor, who plays Trish, uh, you know, going, you know, as they say, growing up. And you, you mm-hmm. see the younger actress who plays Trish, and yeah. you kind of see, like, how she's developed and yeah. how it's just, you know, the broken down to be rebuilt and just to see where she goes with this. You understand the justification when Hellcat finally snaps. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to Jessica is trying to make sure that Salinger is brought to justice the right way. That now she has to become a hero. Right. Which I think is arguably her biggest fear. Yeah. At this stage. Because she definitely doesn't want to have anything to do with being heroic. But yet she finds herself thrusted into it. And now she realizes, I have to save Salinger and put, bring him to justice. I can't let Trish kill him. Right. It's almost the darned if you do, darned if you don't type scenario where you, you see it a lot of times in movies, TV shows, and video games where like, Either choices is not a good option. Like either either you kill Salinger and let Trish get in trouble for it, or you save Trish and let Salinger get away. Right. And like I said, this is when everybody's on the run because at, at this stage, Trish is now trying to kill him. Jessica's trying to defend him. Mm-hmm. He keeps getting in and out of jail. Yeah. I mean, this is also after they've done searching into his past and going to where he ever he lived upstate. Yeah. And they find out that he's killed somebody since I thought that I think right. This was either upstate or in Massachusetts. I yeah, can't remember. It was, it was somewhere like I can't remember the top of my head, but it's kind of irrelevant because once they bring it up and then they yeah. now have the charges to bring him to justice Yeah, because he's always been that one step ahead. And he, he's also been that thorough to where, you know, they've caught scenarios where they knew he was there and they knew he was involved, but they could just never tie him to it. It's almost like with Al Capone back in back in the you know the 1900s, where they knew he was doing stuff. They knew he was involved with it and, and behind a lot of stuff, but they only ever got him on tax evasion. They know they know Salinger's behind this. They know he's the one behind this, but he's so cl- you know clean and thorough and just thinks everything through. They're like I think the only reason they ever end up getting him is because some stray hairs got left behind. Yeah, it was stray hairs that they kind of had to mess mess around with. They do a little tampering, so to speak, in the the crime lab in the police station. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to see how they play, but they also have to tamper that to get Trisha away. Yeah. Which Jess has to have the moral complex. Do I let Salinger go or do I let Trish take the fall? Yeah. And she sides with Trish and how Trish reacts to it is arguably the defining moment of her career Mm -hmm. as the hero, so to speak, because she crosses that line. She breaks into the police station and literally kills Salinger in an elevator. Yeah. To where Jess is like her entire work and her entire plan is now gone up in smoke. Well, and you could see that kind of building up to it where, you know, Trish was trying. Again, you see this in movies and TV where, you know, she's really screwed the pooch on this one. She's really messed things up on this. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to, you know, you see, oh, we got to do X, Y, and Z to make it better. But then you screwed up and make it worse. You kept seeing hints of that, that something wasn't going to go quite right. Because every time she's trying to get one of these bad guys and kind of get just an alibi of why she couldn't be the one behind this officer's murder that they they the police department thinks was just was behind that like oh they really screwed up every time she's beating the crap out of this bad guy you know embezzled money did this did that the face changes to salinger mm-hmm. and, and she all of a sudden i'm not beating up this bad guy who's like burning down uh, apartment complexes that people are in just so i can build luxury ones and flip them no i'm beating up the man who killed my mother so like you could tell like yes we know she snapped but, like, this is just showing how far she snapped that, like, she doesn't see villains. All she sees is Salinger. Right, which is very interesting a departure from the comic. But, I mean, yeah. to, to a degree, 
Because if you've ever read the Hellcats uh, comics, when she's been in them, right, has a very unique history. I would suggest check that in your own time. That being said, though, it now comes to where we get to. I, I want to say the main event, but where mm-hmm. everything is. Once Salinger's killed, Jessica now has to do the one thing she's been dreading to do the entire season. Yeah, which is bring Trish in. And boy, does she come in like a hot ball of fire. Well, she now. Oh knows my lord! The line is drawn. You want to break that down for us? Oh my lord! So you get the scene where she she confronts Hogarth, and Hogarth is like trying to every way possible to get out of this and, and not get killed from it. And and she's in her apartment complex in New York, and and Trish comes Trish comes in ready to just you know rip her apart, and Jessica just comes in like a running back or a linebacker in the NFL, and just like clotheslines her into the ceiling. Yeah, they have a great fight scene in Hogarth's apartment, and then it just keeps sp- spiraling from there. I mean, at this point, it's now I have to bring Trish in, and I love the one line Jess has where she like throws Trish into the ceiling, and because earlier in the episode, you know, she was gonna bring Trish uh, Trish in, and Trish goes, "Oh well, can I, you just let me take a shower and kind of clean myself up?" And I'm thinking, "You idiot, don't let her do it," mm-hmm. and she lets her do it, and she escapes out the bathroom window. So when Jess finally catches up to Trish, throws her into the ceiling, and Trish kind of picks her head up off the ground, and Jess has a line, something like, you know, oh, I let you sneak out the window. I let you get that one. It's not going to happen again. Right. But then when she does sneak away, though, she does mm-hmm. escape Jess. She tries escaping out of the country. Yeah. And then she, I mean, she makes the deals to get out. Yeah. And she's trying to sneak away via coffin. Yeah. And I thought, wasn't the initial plan with this, she was just going to go to Canada? Yeah. She was trying to escape. Like that? But then Jessica decided to reveal who she was right on national television. Oh, that was incredible. And that was just, it was the card you saw. There was so much pain in trying to do. Mm-hmm. But she knew that I have to flush her out. Yeah. And I have to really expose her. So Trish pulled every string she could to get to escape. Mm-hmm. Once Jessica tracked her down to the airport, though, yeah, that's when everything got crazy. Yeah, because Trish, Trish goes to Hogarth and goes, oh, I need to get out of the country and I need to do this. And Hogarth had, had some connections with some smugglers. I, I think it was, uh, was it on some sort of military type plane mm-hmm. or something? They were going to fly her to Thailand and then she was going to have a layover there and then she was going to go wherever she wanted to go. And, she, and you know, she wasn't going to be able to come out of the coffin during the entire however long the flight is from New York to 17 hours. Oh. That's a long flight. She wasn't going to be able to come out of the coffin, which was built in with some sort of breathing oxygen device where she wouldn't die. But she was going to have to sit in a coffin for 17 hours before she could do anything. And she wasn't exactly comfortable about that. And then I thought it was real interesting that uh, Hogarth told Jess at least where to find her. Yeah, well, Hogarth has been dealing with the ramifications of her actions all season. I mean, you take a look at when she was dealing with her lover, Kith, and then... What she was responsible for there, which was causing her husband to kill suicide or commit suicide, rather. Yeah. And then she's trying to make good. Like, I thought one of the weirdest things was Hogarth showing up at the funeral. Oh, yeah. Which I was like, what the heck? Messy. Yeah. So I think for her, it was just trying to deal with she knows her time on Earth is limited. Mm -hmm. She's trying to fix the problems she's made as much as she can in her own different way. And obviously, telling Jess was the big factor to say, I've. I've committed this wrong. Mm-hmm. Let me try making this right. Yeah. And then Jess and Trish had this massive fight down at the airport. It was almost kind of anticlimactic, though, because it, yeah. it wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be. Right. But Jessica winds up taking Trish in, and then it just kind of comes to Trish is now sitting in a jail cell and comes to the realization, I'm the bad guy. It, and our, you get the final shot at the end of the season where Jess, at least initially, looks like she's going to give the keys to alias investigations to Malcolm. And then she goes off onto like a pier someplace and sees Trish getting taken away. I know they they mentioned it earlier in the season, the the raft. Yes. Are they sending her to the raft? Yes. Okay. That's what I just wanted to be sure of. And then we get to the final scene where she's in. I want to say that was, was that Grand Central Station? That's what I was saying. It was Port Authority. Yeah, Port Authority, Grand Central, something. And uh, she's standing there getting ready. She's like, oh, what's the furthest place you can get me? What's the closest you can get me to Mexico? And the, the ticket man person says, oh, El Paso, Texas. She goes, oh, that'll work. And she's thinking about it. And then everything turns purple. And who do we hear? Kilgrave. Told you. Yes, so Kilgrave apparently is back. Told you. Which can only help. (laughs) Told you so. When they come back. So I think for that aspect, and Jessica now knows I can't leave, and I I don't want to say at this point she kind of looked like she accepted the hero role. And I also want to point out the interesting bit of like Easter egg symbolism, whatever you want to call it. You saw the purple. The two television screens or television monitors or whatever it was that were above her when they go for like that wide shot that slowly pans back. One on the right was red, 
One on the or one on the left was red. One on the right was blue. Purple. Yes. So now we have our cliffhanger for whenever Jessica uh-huh. Jones comes back. So overall, Pat, what was your final thoughts? Great third season. You know, one of the best. Great send off for the Marvel Netflix shows. I really hope they do something with this character down the road on whatever service they want to put it out on Hulu, Disney Plus, because with that kind of cliffhanger ending, I want more. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I think Jessica Jones season three definitely lived up to expectations, if not exceeded them. They definitely put her in a position where you understand where whenever she comes back. And note how I said whenever, mm-hmm. not if. Because I do feel that the Netflix universe is going to morph into the Hulu universe at some point. It's not going to go to Disney+. Plus, But I think you're going to see these characters reappear on the small screen in some variation. And I think, obviously, with how they left each show, maybe with the exception of Iron Fist. Yeah. That they've now left the door open for maybe a limited series Defenders run. Because we did yeah. we did see a small cameo from Luke Cage yeah. in Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Just kind of almost being the moral yeah, compass, so, so to speak. Checking up on her. Yeah, just kind of saying, you know, sometimes the line is blurred, but you have to really know where you're stepping. I'm saying he also has the line, I think, when he fir- she first walks into the hallway and sees him there. He, he has something, sudden line to the effect of, I'm hearing about you on the news every day. Either It's either 50-50. It's either about you or it's not. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, they're still having the connection between the shows. And, obviously, with like I said, with the exception of Iron Fist, which I don't know if they are going to bring back, per se, well, as don't the version we saw. Don't forget, it got it got name-dropped because uh, it, when Hogarth is bleeding uh, clients left, right, and center after the incident with Kith's husband, uh, one of the big names that does leave her firm is the Rand Corporation. Yes, and they do say that Danny is on sabbatical. Yep. So... That's where it kind of gets a little interesting on where they're going to go because they could mention about uh, his trip over to um, Kun Lao. Yeah. And, or Kun Lun, rather. And they're trying to say, okay, if they're going to bring that back and actually do the Fraction story, yeah. which, I mean, that would be great if they did, but yeah. I don't know if they're going to. But I think just overall they're saying the door is still open to connect this universe. Mm-hmm. And there's still great stories to be told. Yeah. And I think that that's the biggest, I want to say, legacy you're going to see out of the Netflix universe. That these characters, which when we first heard about this, we knew Daredevil was coming in off the, the movie. And how the bad taste was in everybody's mouth. Even though it, for its time it was what it was. But to hear that they were going to take a shot doing a Jessica Jones series. They are going to do a Punisher series. Um, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and then do a Defenders. And to see the journey that went on, I mean, I think this is something that Marvel should be applauded for because they they took a shot with some heroes that you weren't really sure what was going to happen. And Jessica Jones, I think, was probably the biggest X factor out of all of them. And that has just been a quality series. Even season two, like I said, good, not great. Season one was excellent. Season three was great. And to see the legacy that is now left... It's making us want more, and it's going to be a two-year wait, if not sooner, unless something happens, that we'll see the Defenders appear again in the MCU. Mm-hmm. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts on Jessica Jones this season? What was your standout moments? How soon do you want to see them back, or who do you think should be added into the Defenders universe? I'll throw that out there. Hit us up on our social media. You can find the accounts on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Dude! Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to kind of do a follow-up story from last week. Mm -hmm. Now, Pad had broken down hashtag ODPHE3 2019. Yep. But there was a big story that happened after we recorded. Kingdom Hearts 4. No, I wish. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> this episode would be going a lot longer about Kingdom Hearts. Uh-huh. But no, there was another big announcement by Square Enix yep. that we were going to jump into. Well, so, two, kind of two announcements by Square Enix. Uh, Square Enix, while E3 was going on last week, had a uh, Final Fantasy VII concert uh, going on where essentially it's kind of like the Kingdom Hearts or World Orchestra or whatever it's called that's been going around where they've been playing. The orchestra plays songs from the various games over the years. Uh, this one was the same, but for Final Fantasy VII. Uh, this is where, very oddly, in the middle of the night, Eastern time, they decided to play a trailer and announce the release 
release date for the upcoming Final Fantasy VII Remake, which looks phenomenally awesome. Uh, it's coming out March of 2020. Mark your calendars. They didn't officially say during E3 whether it's going to be episodic, like I, it's been rumored, or if they announced it. No, you know what? It has been announced that it's going to be episodic. But from what I've been reading and kind of hearing, uh, each episode, however many there are going to be, they haven't said, is going to be like a full game in length. So it sounds like you're going to get your money's worth out of this thing. It looks really good. But no, the big, the other big reveal from the Square Enix press conference was we finally, finally got to f- figure out what it is in the world they've been working on with their Avengers game. And it was a little bit divisive, to say the least. Yeah, I saw the trailer. I mean, I thought it looked good. Yeah. I was very happy with it. I mean, I know the biggest online chatter that we've seen with this mm-hmm. is it doesn't look like the movie characters, and, right? And the and the facial yeah. graphics do not look the best. No, I will agree. If you compare this to the the Spider-Man PS4 game graphics-wise, it does not look good or comparable to that. But as to the whole, oh, they don't look like the movie characters. That really doesn't bother me all that much because hey. Neither does Peter Parker in the Spider-Man PS4 game. He looks nothing like Tom Holland. If anything, he looks like a mashup of Andrew Garfield and, and uh, Tobey Maguire. But that's just me. Right. So going into this, the premise of the story, it, it looked like that the there's an attack mm-hmm. on the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Well, so, well, so they're getting ready. From what I've read from people who got to play the demo uh, that they featured during the press conference, you know, which from what I've read, the gameplay you saw during that trailer, if you look up the trailer where it's kind of like looking over the shoulder, that's gameplay footage. That's not like CGI trailer. That's not them making things look fancy. That's how the game is going to look. That's how the game is going to play. Uh, but it, from what I've read from the people who played the demo, it's the Avengers are out West getting ready to getting ready to set up the West Coast Avengers Tower or whatever it's going to end up being. And there's an attack and, and they got to kind of go to the Golden Gate Bridge and set things up and fit and save things uh the cast of characters it looks like you're going to be able to play as is looks like it's going to be iron man hulk thor black widow and captain america but there will be others added later um, they showed a thing after the kind of big gameplay trailer where ant-man was there they've said that there's going to be other regions and regions and when i say regions i mean like wakanda or other places in the marvel universe where you're going to get to play as them and i think the awesome thing that's going to be with this is it's not going to it's going to kind of be like the lego marvel video games where it's not kind of with the exception of the avengers one which is based off of the movies but the lego marvel superheroes video game where it's like it's not kind of locked into okay what have the movies done they can go wild with this and they can include whoever they want to include with this so i think that's going to be kind of the interesting thing uh going forward with this it's going to be you can play it offline but it also is going to be you know you can play kind of multiplayer co-op almost like a left for dead type of deal where like you can go through with friends sounds like it's going to be fully customizable where like you're going to be able to customize the look of how whatever here you choose to play as it's going to have a skill tree so there's going to be abilities you can pick up with all of the characters the awesome thing i i they said with this is that it's no pay to win so there's no oh if you really want to get better and you really want to improve on your skills you can purchase this uh loot pack for 15 a mere 15 dollars and that'll give you early access to some of the later skills down the road no none of that no dlc anything added into the game will be free it, I'm just so excited for this. And that's huge news, too, because especially with how much hype has been behind mm-hmm. this game. I mean, this is, I don't want to say it arguably closed out E3. Yeah. But it was one of the higher, the the most anticipated events. Yeah. To hear that you don't have to go spend money on a DLC, because right. that, that, that does add up. That's become the thing, you know, over the last decade or so. Yeah. The, this is gonna, now going to be whatever characters get added, which we're assuming maybe we, we're going to see X-Men, maybe. Yeah, you could very easily see X-Men, because it's like the, the thing, if you really want a good Marvel video game, and it's going to be weird for some people when I say this, pick up Lego Marvel Superheroes, the first one, because that is literally every character from the Marvel Universe that you can think of. Like, both versions of the Dark Phoenix are in that. Like, you can play as... as uh Ghost Rider. You can play as Galactus. You can play as a Silver Surfer. You can play as an uh, Incredible Hulk Stan Lee. Like, hmm. it's, it's just one of those things where, like, they're not beholden, and for this as well, they're not beholden and kind of tied down to, okay, we're doing this based off of the movie stories and the movie plots, so we can only use who's in the movies. No, they're not. I, they're going to be able to go wild with this, and I, I think you can see a scenario maybe down the road where you're Captain America and you've got the Human Torch and you're fighting Magneto. See, now this is a very interesting setup they're going to do, which, I mean, I like it that they're not going to have, like, a shared Marvel Universe in a video game setup because we haven't really seen one since Ultimate Alliance, Mm -hmm. the first couple. Now, I know Ultimate Alliance is coming back for, what is it, Nintendo Switch? Yep, the Nintendo Switch. So this is now going to be the Avengers play Avengers or however they're going to find the game as. Yeah. 
is now going to be on Xbox. It's going to be on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. It's going to be on all the big formats. Yep. So this is going to be really cool to see for the first time in a long time that you have the expanded Marvel Universe. And they didn't outright come and say it, but they kind of hinted at it. It sounds like this might be tied into the Spider-Man PS4 video game, which, would, like I said before, it would make sense because Avengers Tower is in that video game and they are referenced. And to see that if they're going to actually try doing a shared video game universe... I mean, how is that? Has that ever happened before? Not that I can think of. I mean, you, obviously, you've had the Marvel Capcom video games over the years, but there's never been anything to the degree of like, you know, a Marvel movie where like stuff ties in and everything's connected. I mean, yeah, you've had Kingdom Hearts over the years, but that's not. But that's really kind of like self-contained in one thing where it's like, okay, they're all. It's all kind of like centrally focused. It doesn't get really outside the core characters. It doesn't really bring a whole lot in. You might have some people float in and out from the various worlds and the various Disney movies, but like it doesn't really get to the level that they might be able to do with this like a Marvel movie. And that's going to be a really huge thing to see because mm-hmm. now I don't. I want to say that the, this was the crowning jewel of E3, but what do you think was the biggest moment of E3? Uh, biggest moment of E3 probably had to be Keanu Reeves showing up for the Cyberpunk 2077 portion during uh, the Xbox press conference. I think the other big one that kind of caught everybody off guard was at the end. Nintendo kind of closed out E3. They, they, obviously, E3 still went, but they were the last big press conference that went on. They went through. They did their whole thing. They announced Banjo-Kazooie was going to be the next character to get added to Super Smash Brothers. so I know people were going bonkers for that one. Uh, but then the big one they did was at the end of the thing, they, they, they pulled the old Steve Jobs Apple. Uh, just one more thing. And they they showed, started showing off a trailer for with the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild t- type look. And everyone's like, oh, this is going to be DLC for Zelda, which they've never done before. Uh, but no, they went and announced that Legend of, you know, the sequel to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is in development. W- when that comes, nobody knows, but that kind of set the Internet ablaze with, oh, my God, another Legend of Zelda is getting made. We're not going to have to wait five plus years for the next one. And that's huge news. I mean, to see the reaction mm-hmm. Zelda. Zelda has one of the biggest followings yeah. in video game history. I mean, mm-hmm. And to see the detail they put into those games, yeah. too. I mean, that's yeah. the true telling sign. Because especially when you start talking about video game franchises, I mean, Mario's up there, obviously. Zelda, a lot of Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of lineage to it. And that's why we say it's such a big deal about the Avengers now getting their show. Because Final Fantasy has its own unique yeah. following. Yeah. And just the fact they're redoing 7 yeah. is... Oh yeah, Seven's got to be one of the most critically acclaimed games and one of the most beloved games of all time. I mean, it, it, whenever you talk to a lot of video game fans, depending on how long they've been playing video games, but if you have talked to like a long time video game fan, you know, a lot of people are going to put Final Fantasy Seven in their top three, if not their number one overall favorite video game of all time. So why do you think they're redoing it? I I just think it's it's been something they've been wanting for a long time. There's always been that talk of like, not necessarily redoing it, but re-releasing it with modern graphics but the hard thing with that is you that's kind of been the big thing with uh playstation 3 and and playstation 4 i can speak for those because i can remember there were a lot of games that got kind of re-released as remasters and all that i know they did the ratchet and clank games on ps3 they did the last of us game uh that came out on ps3 and they put it out on ps4 that's kind of been the big thing but like the easy thing with those is it's kind of like within the same time span technology wise it's a big jump to try and up update something graphics wise from like the 90s to 2019 you almost need to do a complete redo and i think it's just a, okay we were kind of limited with what we could do at the time i mean you you kind of pull if you pull up the soundtrack because they said that all the other one of the other kind of minor announcements they made during the square enix uh press conference was that all final fantasy soundtracks are available on all streaming platforms which is something they've never done before so if you go to spotify or apple music or whatever you have pull up the final fantasy 7 soundtrack it's it's dated for its time but that was what it was in the 90s i think it's just a kind of let's let's go with this let's see what we can do let's have some fun with this and kind of make it for a new audience and because it's one of those things that not a lot of kids these days know what it is or have a lot of interest in it but i think if you can bring it in update it maybe change a few things they've they've come out and said some of the more classic moments in the game are going to stay in there but i think it's one of those things that they look at it as a positive of, oh, okay, people might not be all exactly into the whole RPG element of it. I was never big on the Japanese style where it's like turn-based and you got to be very strategic and very, you know, calculating about it. But when they came out with 15, where yes, it's an RPG, but it's more op- open where you can run around and you can just attack whenever you want. I think there, it looks like they're adapting that style with this remake, but they're also making it just looks really awesome. 
And I mean, that's a great way to end out for E3 because I know that yeah. they didn't have the big uh, Death Stranding game that was no, not there. The, no, there were some there were some notable ones that were left out. I mean, Death Stranding wasn't there, but they've they've been having some trailers come out. Uh, you know, Sony obviously wasn't there, but that's because a lot of speculation is they're they're take they took this year off so they can get the PlayStation Five uh, ready for its big unveiling next year. But you know, so while this year might have been a quiet year, uh, next year is going to be absolutely insane. So definitely mark your calendars down for mm-hmm. that. So what was your thoughts on E3? We want to know. We gave you a lot to discuss with that. And, I mean, the Avengers game, what is your reaction to it, ODPH Society? Tell us. Hit us up on those hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your takeaway from E3? What is your takeaway from the Avengers game? Are you excited for it? Are you not? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is George Gatton, and you are listening to the Ocho Duro Harley Hour Entertainment Edition. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the OTPH podcast, and we got to talk a little Agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. Now they took the week off last week for the NBA Finals, so congratulations again to the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. But we have to get back into our coverage of Colson and company. Dem agents, dem agents came back and great episode this week to come back on. Obviously, if you remember what happened on the previous episode, May was captured by yep. Sarge and company. Mm-hmm. So to see where they go from here with the episode we were going and we are going to be talking spoilers. I think we have to say that just yes. to make sure just three, two, one. Here we go. May was captured and obviously they start off the show where she is in a dream state in Tahiti. Yeah, well, I think we're finally getting to see kind of maybe what happened in Colson's final days. Right. So obviously Sarge is, you know, messing with her head. And that is obviously mistake number one because you just don't want to mess with May, period. Well, no, that's mistake number two. Mistake number one is capturing May to begin with not right. a good idea right but as long as she's knocked out i think you're fine but eh. the fact that she you're messing with her head this is definitely uncharted water that he does not want to go into so you're not winning any points in her book right so obviously you're kind of seeing what arguably was colson's last days on mm-hmm. tahiti and this is kind of going back and forth and all you're hearing is sarge saying that he's turning her that he's now whatever he's his mission has been to earth he is now saying may is now going to be one of the people that he's trying to experiment on. Well, I think it might not have been a plan at the outset to get her. I think it was just a result that came of the previous episode where May took on one of Sarge's uh, henchmen, the female, I forget her name, and and went. You know, it was supposed to be one of the top of, of her game, best of, that he's got, and May went toe-to-toe with her. Yeah, May definitely earned, you know, earned her reputation, as she always does, by obviously taking out members of Coulson's team, or sorry, Sarge's team. I got to yeah. remember to keep saying that. They look so much alike, it's easy to confuse them. Right. So as you're seeing the episodes progressing, and you're seeing now flashbacks to Mac now, who is trying to break down with Yo-Yo about everything that's happened with, obviously, the agent who was killed, who had the parasite in him. Oh, so, yeah, that's a whole conversation. you got to sit down because that's not just something, okay, yeah, hey, that happened. So are uh, you good for this next job? Yeah, and obviously Yo-Yo is very cold to him. Mm-hmm. And Yo-Yo... You're kind of seeing now their relationship, whatever was that we've known in the past is now out the window and is just very cold and it's very standoffish. And obviously it makes a lot of sense knowing the characters. So at this point, too, they do a lot of jumping around this episode. So if you haven't seen the episode, just bear with because now they flash to Enoch and the team Quake who's searching for Fitz and the Chronocon hunters are now mm-hmm. searching for them so now we yeah. have a, we have an official name of the group that is now looking for i'm calling them team quake yeah which is good because it's kind of hard to describe them as yeah those robot people right because it never was really kind of clarified and, and you're seeing that now okay the chronocon hunters are looking you see atara who is looking for enoch and basically kind of says okay what the overall game plan has been and it's enoch's home world has been destroyed and they're basically trying to figure out how Team Quake has done their time travel right? because they want to go back and save their home world. At this point, this is now where time travel gets a little wonky, as it always does. and Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Yeah, and then, like I say, unless it's Doctor Who, it, it, it's always a fine line you walk mm-hmm. when you start doing time travel. So, and as they're going through this, you're seeing Fitz is now being held as a bargaining chip to get the information from Quake and Simmons on how they did this jump. Yeah, not the smartest idea, because you got a fair amount of people who are going to be motivated to get them out of there. Right, which, I mean, this has been their whole mission they took off in the Space Force. So this is going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. 
And then they flash now back to Earth, where you see Sarge is interrogating May about Coulson and trying to figure out, okay, who is the real Philip J. Coulson? Mm-hmm. Because at this stage, we're already, what, uh, five, six episodes in already? In uh, I want to say this is episode six that just aired. Right. That we still don't have a lot of answers, which is great. Yeah. I'm not complaining yeah. about yeah. it, but I'm just saying. We don't have a lot of answers yet, but we still have more flashbacks to Tahiti and Coulson's last days. And then at this point, May is being transferred into an initiation room. Yeah. Which Coulson just kind of leaves a knife and says, fight your way out. <laughs> Figure it out on your own, kid. Right. Because they have somebody that's been transformed by the parasite after they've been killed. And now this is May fighting for her life. And this, she ultimately wins. And she has to kill the, the turned creature because mm-hmm. at the point she walks in there and he's human. And obviously he snaps into whatever the figure is supposed to be. And then we kind of flash forward to where Dr. Benson is at S.H.I.E.L.D.'s headquarters, and he's asking a million and one questions this year. Still, because he's still getting stonewalled on answers. Right, but you also don't really know about what his ultimate agenda is, too. That's true. Which, I, this is what S.H.I.E.L.D. is based on, because it's a super spy organization. They're not exactly forthcoming. Everybody's not exactly an open book. Yeah, I was thinking it'd be, all right, what do you really want to know? I'm, I'm, I'm open. Yeah, because you're seeing Benson is getting questioned by Mac, and then they kind of flash again to where Yo-Yo comes in and breaks down what the knife does mm-hmm. that everybody sees. And now this is the first time that Yo-Yo remembers what this is called, and it refers to the parasites as shrikes. Yep. Now this kind of ties into the monolith and the history of that from way back in S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. So it's kind of a nice little throwback to an Easter egg from the earlier seasons. But obviously when you're kind of tying into the monolith and everything that happened there. Yeah, it's it's going to a little messy. Nothing ever good comes from this. No. At all no and i'm like are we uh, how far are we going back are we going to be tying to inhumans uh-huh. graviton like this is an interesting way we're going to walk into this season because yeah. i because like i said we're almost at like the halfway point of the season because it's a shorter season yeah i, th- I think it's kind of like that once we were halfway through the episode we're at the halfway point because it's like 13 episodes yeah so it's like okay let's see where we're going with this because now you're, you're making that tie into it and if you're kind of explaining what the shrikes are that this is going to be an interesting antagonist for the season if mm-hmm. this is the true antagonist. Yeah. And then as we see in space, you see Enoch is delivering with Tara, and they're kind of trying to figure out their strategies about, you know, what is the best course of action for where they're taken. And then they do another jump around where you see Sarge just basically breaks down everything, which is how he connects the Shrikes to the monoliths and says they're the destroyers of everything, or the death of everything, and they do a flashback of at this stage, too, and Coulson's talking about the Academy. So, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. the S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy has been on a lot of members' minds for seasons that, yeah. we, that we just haven't seen, apparently. Yeah. Which is an interesting throw, which I'll, I'll go with. Yeah, I'll roll with it. Yeah. So, obviously, you see, you know, memories are being blurred with Sarge, and and obviously, Sarge is hunting the creators of the strikes at this point, too, which is mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. And then, I mean, obviously, they jump back forward in space, and they're saying, okay, well, Team Quake is, you know, they're escaping, and but Simmons surrenders to save the team. And this is kind of an interesting play, too, because I think her ultimate goal is, is win, lose, or draw is find Fitz. Yeah, like, she's ready to sacrifice anyone and everyone if that means she gets Fitz back. Right, she does not care. No. Which, I mean, is kudos to the character, because yeah. that's that's kind of that's how, her. That's how she's been since day one. Yeah. And then, obviously, with their whole mission in space and just kind of seeing where they're going to play from there. I mean, they're, I don't want to say they're almost in uncharted waters, but they almost are. Uh, now, for, for the human race and Earth, people from Earth, they're absolutely in uncharted waters. Right, because now at this stage, it's like, does anybody really have any idea what the whole space deal is? Yeah. Because it hasn't been fully clarified. And that no. what they're really up to, I mean, obviously, when they went in there, they're looking for fits. And obviously, anytime you deal with time travel, it always gets messy. Yeah. I don't think this is going to get cleared up anytime soon no this might this might be something down the road with ramifications right because if they don't have a clear-cut answer of what they want to do here this is where it's going to get very very messy and where they decide to go is going to just be anybody's guess because we really haven't gone this far into what is eventually could be a play to the mcu Mm -hmm. we don't know I mean, could they go a different route? Could they try tying into a little bit more of maybe what Phase 4 is going to be? Maybe. I mean, we really haven't covered that stage yet. Yeah. So, I mean, it is possible. Because then we flash back to Earth, and you see May's, May is causing now problems within Sarge's team. He takes out their female character. I believe is it what, Snowflake? Something like that, yeah. Or, or something, a variation. 
And then as you see, she gets free and she fights Sarge and knocks him out. Mm-hmm. So now at this point, it is very interesting to see where they go with this because now May has Colson captured and she's on her way back to S.H.I.E.L.D. And then when they come back, because this is where the episode ended, or this is actually where our TV went out locally. Mm. So there's a little gap here. But as we see, Benson is asking for a jet to the Yucatan, where the first monolith encounter was. Quake Team Quake now arrives back to Earth. Coulson is on his way back with May and company. And Enoch basically sets up Fitz to be betrayed, because they kind of have that like weird moment of like, oh, you're my best friend again, blah, blah, blah. And then they get reunited at the end. It's Fitz and Simmons versus the world. Mm-hmm. So, Pat, let me ask you this. Overall thoughts on the episode. Good episode. Got a, got a reunite, uh, reunited Fitz and Simmons, which I'm always happy to see. Never a good idea to capture May or try to do anything with May because, well, she's going to make you regret it. Uh, very excited to see where this goes and, and maybe see some tie-ins to Endgame or references to Endgame down the road. I know we haven't seen too much of that, but it's just something I'd like to see. Yeah, I have to agree with you, too. I mean, this is just something that we haven't really seen what they're doing yet. I mean, I do like everything they've done so far. Right. With with the season. So, I mean, it's definitely been interesting to see how they're playing that off. And with May now bringing Coulson back in, it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to figure out who is the real Philip J. Coulson. Is it the one who died in Tahiti or is it this one? And then right. how do they explain it? Because I don't think we're talking life model decoys here. No. We could be talking scrolls. Yeah. That is definitely an option on the table. It's on the table. Especially, like I said, the biggest mystery of this whole season is, okay, what are they still doing in space? Right. Because now you have Fitz and Simmons on their own, isolated from the team. You have the regular S.H.I.E.L.D. team now reunited finally, which, like I said, about time. Everybody's together, so you don't really kind of do that jumping around so much. Because I would say that's the only complaint I really have about this episode is it just jumps. Yeah. And it's not like clear cut like, okay, we're in space, and then let's come back and let's do a whole segment here, and let's come – it's just kind of boom, 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 boom. That is very jumpy around, which, like I said, not the biggest fan of, but I'm not hating on it. So it's anybody's guess where they're going to go. And I know they teased for next week's episode that they're going – or the next episode, rather, that they're going to have Fitz and Simmons fighting their way out of wherever they're in. Mm-hmm. Anybody's guess where it's going to go, but it's definitely been a fun ride thus far. So hit yeah. us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts on this past Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode? What's your thoughts on the season thus far? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The ODPH is proud sponsors of Robocon 2019, happening September 28th and 29th. Don't miss out on Binghamton, New York's biggest sci-fi, fantasy, and gaming convention of the year. For badge details and more info, check out Robocon.org. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, Pad kicks off his own one shots. Well, got a couple things. Uh, as we record today, we got some interesting news from Disney, specifically Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige has said that Avengers Endgame will be coming back for a theatrical re release next weekend. So it's not this weekend as we record, but the one following uh, that will include a post credits extras not included in the original theatrical release. So think of this as like the bonus features you might get with the Blu ray added on to the end of this. Uh, writing on the wall there, absolutely trying to pass uh, Avatar's all time record now i know some people are kind of knocking it and it's a money grab uh let me dig up some a little bit of history you might have forgotten folks avatar got a special edition re-release in theaters as well while avatar was initially released like december of 2009 or whenever it was uh it was like a couple months later in august or july of the following year that it got a special re-release so not unheard of for this to happen uh, as we record avatar is still number one all time uh, worldwide with a 2.788 uh, worldwide box office and avengers endgame is sitting at 2.744 uh, million dollar billion dollars worldwide i should say so they're right on the cusp of that so in theory, this little push over the edge should give it to him. Uh, also got some interesting news about the next movie in the Kingsman saga, of course, directed by Matthew Vaughn. Uh, two great movies. The third one coming out will be released in February of 2020 and will be called The King's Man. Uh, this will be a prequel, uh, like I said, uh, released in February of 2020. Uh, in, in the premise of the film is, quote, as a collection of history's worst tyrants and criminal, criminal masterminds gather to plot a war to wipe out millions, one man must race 
against time to stop them. Discover the origins of the very first independent intelligence agency in The King's Man, directed by Matthew Vaughn, coming to theaters February 2020. And my God, this cast is insane. Break it down. So you've got Aaron Taylor Johnson playing in... being in the movie of course was uh kick ass in the movie kick ass uh you've got liam neeson in the movie yeah that liam neeson okay uh you've got uh matthew good in the film who uh was ozymandias and was also in the imitation game uh ozymandias from watchman of course uh you've got charles dance in the film who yeah tywin lannister is in the film you've got ray fines in the film who more recently has been uh m in james bond but also played voldemort in the harry potter films uh, you've got Gemma Arterton, who, if you look, you might not know the name, but if you look up the picture, she was the redhead that followed around Bond for uh, a good portion of Quantum of Solace. Uh, it was also in the Prince of Persia film from Disney a couple of years ago. Uh, you've got Jimin Hunusu, who was in, who you might know recognize from Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. He was Korath. Stanley Tucci is in the film. Yes, that Stanley Tucci. Uh, you've also got Daniel Brawl, who was in uh, who was Zemo in Civil. War and was also uh, Frederick Zoller in Inglorious Bastards. And then you've got Reese Ifans, who was uh, probably best known as Dr. Kurt Connors in uh, The Amazing Spider Man, the Andrew Garfield films, and was also Xenophilius Lovegood from the uh, final Harry Potter film. My God, that cast is incredible. Stacked lineup for Kingsman. Uh huh. So it'll be exciting to see when is the release date for that Fe- again? February 2020. So definitely mark that date down on your calendars, folks. You know, I have. Absolutely. So now going into my one shots. Mm-hmm. Well, one of my favorite shows, Pad's favorite shows, is coming back this Monday as we are recording. Yes. June 24th, Legion. Final season. Final season, which they said that this was the plan all along. And okay. I, I fully believe them. Okay. And obviously, if you've never seen Legion on FX, it's going to be Monday, June 24th, 10 p.m. The story of David Holler, who is one of the most powerful yet psychologically damaged mutants in all of history and they have really gone some places with this show that when i first heard this show was being announced i was really like they're gonna do a legion show right because he's got a very messy history to say the least Mm -hmm. and obviously with the power that is one of the omega level mutants in the marvel universe the comics universe um, with multiple personalities, it is usually never a good thing. Yeah, no. And they have done this show very well, very tastefully. It is by far and away the most visually impressive show you're going to see on TV. No, easily. 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 The, the visual team on this show is top-notch. You're going to see just your whole head is going to spin at the show. The show might not win an Emmy for like best story, best this, best that. If, but if they don't win some sort of award for the visual effects in the show, it's a crime. Right. And this is obviously going to be the end story between Legion and the Shadow King, which has mm-hmm. been built up now for two years. And where we left off last season was Legion, I guess, finally took over and became the bad guy mm-hmm. in the series. And he was obviously dealing with a lot of emotions issues going on. I'll say that was one of the more oblique moments I, I've had in my life once you had that final shot of the season. Yeah, it was so well done. I uh-huh. mean, everything they've done with the show. I mean, Dan Stevens has done an amazing job as yeah. Legion on the show. Yeah. And to see where they're going now, there isn't a lot of details other than you see where they start off the season is Legion has definitely won okay. what, what's going on, at least what I can tell. And he's almost in like a zen-like peace mode, so to speak. Cool. Like it's, it's, it's a very unique stance that he's in. And they're now going to try dealing with time travel, which is never good. No. We've already said this on many, many shows. But where they're going with this, and I think is the biggest telling point of said show, is they are going to be introducing Charles Xavier on this show, Hmm. who is his father. Hmm. Which, if you've read the comics, is not a spoiler. So if I just ruined it for you, I apologize. But Look up any article on any wiki page about the character, and that's going to be in like the first paragraph. Exactly. So it's not really a huge spoiler there, but how he gets there and why he's going there is anybody's guess. I mean, I've heard uh, a couple of places saying that there's going to be a new mutant that's going to be introduced that's going to have the ability to do time travel. Right. And whatever they're going back in time to do is literally anybody's guess. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to try guessing. If you see the new trailer, it looks amazing. Yeah. Couldn't really tell you exactly a lot what's going on other than the usual suspects are back. And just pff, bear witness to just a visual ride. Mm-hmm. 
easiest way to describe it. And obviously, if this is going to be the last season, I have high hopes it's going to go out on a high note because it would be very cool to see Legion in the MCU. Yeah. I don't think we're going to be lucky enough to see it. No. But it would be something impressive. And obviously, the final battle between him and the Shadow King, get ready. Mm-hmm. Because that's going to be something to see. Yes. Like we said, it's on FX Monday, 10 p.m. So definitely mark your calendars, set your DVRs, however you check out television. Make sure to check that out. And not to be undone, CW did unleash its fall schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arrow is returning Tuesday, October 15th. The Flash is returning Tuesday, October 8th. Uh, and then both Batwoman and uh, Supergirl are returning October 6th. Black Lightning is returning Monday, October 21st. Uh, no word yet about when uh, Legends of Tomorrow is returning, but I would imagine it's not far along. No, it definitely will be in there because I know Legends is going to be tied into Crisis on Infinite Earth. So mm-hmm. unless they're going to plan on doing that after, but I don't I think. I can't see how that I works. I can't see how that happens. No. So obviously when we get closer to October, we'll have a lot more to discuss about that as we go. Mm-hmm. Now, Pad's got some late-breaking news. Yeah, so I got a late-breaking news uh, slash friendly PSA for you ODPH listeners. Uh, as some of you may know, some of you may not know, Spider-Man Far From Home had its UK premiere last night, this morning, whatever it is, time time zones uh so as a result spoilers for spider-man far from home are starting to hit the web uh, twitter instagram so take whatever if you want to go into the movie as spoiler free as you can be take whatever precautions you feel necessary if you need to block certain words or hashtags on twitter definitely go about that way uh i would say avoid the discover tab on instagram because that kind of what shows up there is kind of curated to what you like what you follow so if you are one who i know i see a lot of like star wars stuff and marvel stuff and dc stuff you know i can't control what comes in there it's just based off of what i like and what i follow so it's very likely if you are in the kind of the same boat as i am you might have something show up in there so just kind of be careful which what you go into you know be careful the comment sections because if you like i said if you want to go into this as spoiler free as you can be be very careful spoilers are out Yes, and this has nothing to do with whatever the tease Marvel has been doing. No. As you will hear this episode, Marvel has been tweeting out a Spider-Man web countdown mm-hmm. of some sort, and that should be revealed, if depending on when you hear this, Thursday. Mm-hmm. So any guesses at that, Pat? I have no idea what it's going to be. I mean, I, I realized there was a lot of people thinking it might be because it started off with a four, and everyone's like, oh, it's going to be a Spider-Man 4 comic adaptation, which admittedly would have been cool to see, you know. You heard a lot about that script and what would have been, what it would have been. It would have been cool to finally see that, but you know, and I know they've shot that down, and I know they've shot down something to do with the Fantastic Four. My guess is it's going to be, you know, whatever next big event in that Spider-Man storyline will be. We had a poll on our Facebook page, so if you need to check out our social media accounts, OchoDuroParleyHour.com has the links right there. And I threw it out there. It was going to be the new video game or new comic or creative team. And comic and creative team definitely won that one. If I have to guess, and I'm I'm throwing a shot in the dark. Okay. The hashtag for it is Marvel Comics. Yes. So it's not Marvel. It's not Marvel 80. No. It's going to be a comic of some sort. Mm -hmm. I would guess that maybe it would be a new creative team on Amazing Spider-Man or a new Spider-Man comic. Okay. Now, if I'm going to throw something out in the universe, okay, what would be big enough for a major announcement that uh, I know the Marvel's current editor-in-chief, C.B. Sobolski, has been just chiming away. He's like, you're not ready to hear this. What do you think would be that big announcement, Pat? I have no idea. I'm going to go and throw probably one of the more wild predictions for ODPH out there that I have thrown. What if it's Todd McFarlane coming back? Holy crap. Yeah, that'd be big. Just for like a quick run doing something. I mean, Spawn is getting near three issue yeah. issue 300. I know they got the awesome cover with Greg Capullo coming on that. Yeah. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe like Eric Larson's coming back. I, somebody that has been synonymous with Spider-Man throughout the years. Yeah. I mean, McFarlane would be huge if it's a comic. Because I don't know, I mean, obviously, if they put, like, a uh, a new writer on it, yeah, sure. But what, what would generate the hype for that? Yeah, why would they do a countdown? For, they're not going to do a countdown for just any old writer or any old team. Right. So that's why I'm saying I'll throw it out there. I could be completely off. So definitely hit me up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Whenever this announcement is, what's your reaction to it? Because I definitely want to know. I threw my guess out there. Hit me up beforehand. Let me know what you think it's going to be. Because that's all I got for this week. So for Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Hashtag ODPH Podcast. See you next time.